another episode of Bits Over Broadway. Bits Over Broadway. Oh, no. <laughs> Connor is sick. He's so sick. He's, He's so, so sick. sick. He can't even do a bit. He's so sick. <laughs> That's honestly um, when you know actors are at their sickest, when like they can't even do they jokes. They can't even do the, the bit. It's tragic. It's, it's really, really sad. sad. It's so um, sad. <laughs> yeah. And and that's how you know. And the other way you know how an actor is sick, we already talked about this off mic, but is they just chug a ton of uh, throat coat. <laughs> the echinacea baby. <laughs> they're at the pharmacist. They're at the herbalist just rattling the cage, demanding like, more echinacea. give me more. Just like, <laughs> yes. I, it's, it's like the, it's like the old timey like um, jail cell thing where like they're rattling the tin can <laughs> on the bar. They're just taking their bag of Ricola cough drops and shaking it along. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the slats of the pharmacies of Midtown. That's me at my right aid <laughs> yes. right now. Uh, alms for the poor, but it's it's echinacea it's for the echinacea actor. Echinacea for the actor, please. <laughs> Think of God, my poor throat. Please, I must perform. <laughs> the pe- my people. <laughs> my people need me. My, my tens fans. of people need me. <laughs> <laughs> my tens of readers on yes. the, po- the very well listened to and regarded podcast. I hope it's over Broadway. We love it. Oh my god! Uh, um, okay, I'm gonna so, try not to cough into the mic. Well, if you do, you do. You know, listen, ladies and gents, you got to stop expecting top tier professionalism from us. <laughs> we are but two idiots just hanging out in a living it's room. It's so true. Most of the time, <laughs> most of the time, that is absolutely 100 percent correct. <laughs> um, Connor, do we have any Broadway biz? Um, I think so. No, and seeing as how this podcast is coming out in January, yeah, who knows what <laughs> who Broadway knows will what, look like in January? Hosting, um, yeah, no, we have like there's nothing to talk about. There's no big. I mean, know. Broadway is coming back, and we love that. Please get your COVID tests, get your boosters. Oh, did mask. I tell you that I went and saw Come From Away the other the other? No, t- speak on that. How was? Oh my god, I it was. So good. I mean, we covered Come From Away however many like years ago. That was like the episode second, or yeah. something. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Like, that was like, what, seven years ago? Who knows? <laughs> yes. um, one decade ago. <laughs> one decade. <laughs> count one, count it one. Um, but yeah, I saw it for the first time. It was so good. I didn't I, like, realize you hadn't seen it. You just yeah, listened no. to it. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so good. Okay, so let's talk good. about it. Let's take five and talk about it. This is the Come From Away corner. Yeah. Um, I was literally in the audience basically fighting back tears the entire show yes yes it's and especially sobbing. especially of it it's the show about like people coming together in sight of tragedy and it's like literally covid is happening <laughs> and i'm in a theater for the first time since the pandemic started mm-hmm. and it was just like a lot of emotions all at once and the yeah. show is just so beautiful and well written and there's um it's just like i oh my god it's it's so fucking good and and 90 minutes no intermission <laughs> And that's why we love it, baby. And that's why we love it, baby. I am here does hit different in the midst of a pandemic. Am I right? So true. <laughs> oh my god! I literally like literally Stab me in the, the that the first song always like gives me chills. Mm-hmm. But when they started singing, "You are here at the start of a moment," sobbing. Can't I can't full sob. <laughs> Just tears streaming down my face. So sad for 90 minutes. So sad for 90 minutes. So sad for minutes. 90 minutes. But it's also like you're sad, but it's also like hopeful and you feel mm-hmm. really good because it's like just good people doing good things. Yeah. 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 
Oh, I'm so glad. I didn't realize, I guess, because, again, it has been one full decade since we yeah, recorded that episode. Correct. I didn't realize you had never seen it. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad you got to see it. Yeah, it was it was a really good – we were really stressed because we used Today Ticks, um, and we ended up not getting our tickets. So we had to, like, buy at the last minute, and thank God they had some rush tickets available. Ooh, yeah. yeah, and we had to get a refund from Today Ticks, so stop using Today Ticks. Okay. They suck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Today Ticks, we will not be taking your sponsorships that you are offering us. The, they are, they're <laughs> beating down the doors, clamoring for it. I get emailed it. day after day, hour after hour. Please, <laughs> Please. sponsor us. Say talk about us on your podcast. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Rush tickets forever, lottery forever. Hey, uh, fucking men. Broadway tickets honestly. should be ten dollars. Okay. Correct. <laughs> All right, let's get into this week. It's just me and Con this week. Yes, no if you couldn't guest. tell. That's right. <laughs> what we like to do is when we have a guest, just take twenty five minutes at the top of the show to make them sit <laughs> to talk in about absolute nothing. silence. Exactly. <laughs> Don't utter a. Fucking peep. <laughs> you better not talk, bitch. <laughs> okay, so no guest. Um, but this week we are talking about dogfight. Dogfight the musical. That's right. We're doing another Pasek and Paul extravaganza eleganza, baby. And I finally figured out what Paul's first name is. Okay, and it is Justin. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Somehow worse than Paul. Somehow Paul. worse than Paul Paul, which it should be, in my opinion. Exactly. Tamara Barney. Please Clip. sign <laughs> our chain. <laughs> please. Yeah, extremely that. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, please sign our change.org petition for <laughs> Justin Paul to change his name. Oh, my God. Okay. I know this will extremely date the podcast, but we do actually have biz, which is that was recently announced that the Wicked film now has casting. Oh, yeah. Um, Ariana. Yeah. Ariana is going to be Glinda. Sorry. Cynthia Revo is. Galinda. And Cynthia Revo, <laughs> Cynthia Arrivo will be playing. Alphaba. Alphaba, yes. Um, and That's going to be amazing. Cynthia is so fucking talented. It is going to be a true slam. Um, I love that I have recently seen a change.org petition circling to keep James Corden out of the Wicked film. You, send, I, you, you did send that to me, and I, I have like, not signed it yet. This but. is the most important petition of my life. Like, 100%. I, if I do nothing else, we cannot let James Corden be Bach. And I know that's what he wants to – you know that's what he wants to be. And God forbid that motherfucker puts on a little goatee and pretends to be a goat. I won't stand for it. I won't have it. If I see his name anywhere near the theater, maybe I'm, I'm not going. If I go see incredits.com, increditcrawl.com, and James motherfucking Corden is on the list, I'm having a fucking fit. I'm calling Hollywood. I'm calling Broadway. I'm, I'm saying, get domain. this motherfucker out of here. Let's go. I'm tired of this man ruining my life. I had to live with Neil Patrick Harris ruining films and television for 10 exactly. straight years. I simply Why? will not be- – I will not bear it again. I will not bear it's these extremely. blonde men of Hollywood ruining my life. I do think it's really funny that, like, uh, musical theater men that become very popular in, like, pop culture uh-huh. um, and then, like, go on to do, like, big movie musicals or whatever, they always have a falling out. <laughs> <laughs> like they always have like the it's they true. eventually the public just comes and like turns on them. You can't be you can't be the queen forever. No, um, you can't. I did see a very funny meme of the 
Asian woman from Pen15. Like oh, the, okay. the meme where she's like glaring from the roof. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And when it was so. like Leah Michelle looking at Beanie Feldstein and Ariana Grande. <laughs> like so mad they're coming for all of her gigs. You know it's she's so just funny. silently fuming in her oh, luxury penthouse. A hundred percent. Wherever she may be. It's okay. They're doing like a 25th anniversary of Spring Awakening with her and Jonathan Groff. So oh, she's fine. she'll be fine. She'll be fine. Who Did we talk about that Beanie Feldstein and wh- whoever the fuck is going to do like a, tw- like a boyhood but for – I yeah, we talked Marilyn? about that in the Dear Evan H- in our Dear okay. Evan Hansen That's episode right. with Under the Bleachers. Okay, cool. I couldn't remember. Listen, we talk so much, and I don't remember what of do. it is recorded <laughs> and what of it isn't. <laughs> that, this is why I think we should just always have a microphone around us. <laughs> constantly saying, recording every single thing we ever talk about. If someone would just constantly record me, then I would rarely repeat myself. That's not true. I only right. have six stories, and I tell them all over and over again. <laughs> It's um, like it's like that it's like that thing that you said to me the other day when we were talking about <laughs> getting ready for under the bleachers and how we were like we need to like calm down and like that try to speak over each other and we you're like you know chill. how you, in big families you eat quickly so nobody <laughs> eats your food that's how we are but with bits <laughs> and I think that we should have a microphone on at all times so that all of our bits can get captured get, and yeah. remembered forever. Our brunches would be so much chiller. We would get kicked out of so fewer we would get out of fewer places if we were just being recorded so that we could then play back all of our very funny jokes a hundred percent are we insufferable to be around yes, yes. that's what we're saying <laughs> <laughs> and i i have to believe that all theater people are or i simply can't continue that's all i mean i mean that's it's in the dna it's it's, uh, it's like part of the system if you are in yeah. theater you're insufferable to be around Ex- r.i.p to your grandma but i'm built different you know what i mean like i'm thank a you kid that's how finally it somebody said it <laughs> finally okay <laughs> let's let's talk about finally dog talk about dog do you see how i'm just like avoiding at all costs because yeah. i know that i know that this is gonna get hacked to hell i um, know <laughs> i did text connor uh as i as I started listening to Dogfight, just before we get into the facts and figs of it all, um, and just based on the cover and the very first song, I was like, okay, sight unseen, have not Googled. You know, famously, I love to listen to a musical with no context at yeah. all whatsoever. And also on shuffle. And then be, yeah, and on shuffle and be very mad when I can't figure out what the musical is about. It's just like a defining characteristic of me. Um, but I was like, I assume that this musical is based on the episode of Boy Meets World where Corey Matthews goes back in time to the 50s and learns about the red scare and kind of was like well you're a few decades up which then somehow i immediately was like it's the 70s of course of course it's the it's 70s about but they're doing this weird here's what i'll tell you it's that song right at the beginning we'll get into it where they're talking about like goodbye to chili dogs and apple pie and right. i'm sorry but apple pie is 50s coded to me you know what? And That's as fair. a nation, that is a we need to reckon with that. <laughs> that is a, a one. I think that is one hundred percent fair assumption. Fifties <laughs> apple pie in the fifties. That's, that's like it. that's the only time apple pie ever was a thing and ever would be a thing. <laughs> we don't have apple pie these days. We just don't have the apples. We don't. Have, we just don't have the resources. We just don't. Um, we don't. Milk costs a hundred dollars a gallon. There's just no way we can be making apple pies. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, are you referencing that fucking CNN thing? Of course. <laughs> I'm always that fucking sent me over the edge. I was like, I was like looking for my thirteenth reason, and that was it. <laughs> that was 
I'm ready. Goodbye. Just like crossed my arms over my chest like a Dracul and and laid in my bed. Yeah, yeah, slowly <laughs> vampired my way into bed. Yeah, just slowly creaked back like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it anymore. It's time to go to sleep Turn, forever. Hit the switch, babe. We're done. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> like a light Just enough. Enough already. Oh, my God. All right. Connor, <laughs> let's talk about this fucking musical. Connor, please hit us with some facts and fame. Figures. <laughs> Dogfight is a musical with music and lyrics by Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. Not Paul Paul, Not Paul unfortunately. Paul. It has a book written by Peter Dukin or Dutchin. I don't know how to say his name. Um, <laughs> and it's based on the 1991 movie Dogfight directed by Nancy Savoka. Um, it's only ever been off-Broadway. It ran off-Broadway um, from July to August of 2012. There was also an off-West End production from August to September of 2014. And then there's been a bunch of other like regional productions and international productions. Um, the off-Broadway production was nominated for several awards in 2013. Uh, it was nominated for one Drama Desk and one Zero. Two Drama Leagues and one zero, five Outer Critics Circle Awards and one zero, and two Lucy Lords and one both. Okay. And that's why we've always said the Lucy Lords are our only measure of success in the off-Broadway world. <laughs> that is correct. I that is 100% get... correct. <laughs> I think Lord they won like best. Outstanding Musical and like Best Choreography or something like that. Interesting. Okay. Did yeah. you ever find a bootleg? I didn't actually try and find a bootleg of this, but I should have probably. No, there's not really one. I looked for it. Um, uh, there's There was like one video of um, the first date last night and that was it okay. um, that I could find. And also just really quick synopsis. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, A coming-of-age drama set in the 1960s that explores the relationship between Eddie Birdlace, a Marine on his way to Vietnam, and a young woman, Rose Fenny, who meet when he invites her to the dogfight, a competition to see which Marine can bring the ugliest date. He dinner for schmucks, sir. uh, So true. (laughs) Oh, man. It's fucked up. It's it's fucked up that we're supposed to feel bad because then he goes to Vietnam and all of his friends die. And I'm supposed to feel bad for you? Fucking thank you. <laughs> I literally wrote down that him and his friends being sent into the like meat grinder of Vietnam mm-hmm. is not a consequence for his shitty actions no. as a human being. That's just a consequence of shitty American imperialism. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that is unrelated to the shittiness of the thing that you did when you were just hanging out with your bros. Yeah, exactly. So and it's like... like I, just uh, because the bros so died doesn't mean they got their just desserts. Like. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> God. Oy, oy, oy. All right. I hated it. All right. Here we go. Um, I will say that listening to this, uh, I th- I would <clears throat> like to think even if I hadn't known it was Pasek and Paul, I would still know. I heard a lot of oh, interesting. Dear Evan Hansen esque, sure. like not not one-to-one comparisons by any means but definitely there are some quirks i think that pasek and paul have as composers and as lyricists like that that to Mm -hmm. me i could see um i want to say it was 
uh, pretty funny. Okay. Maybe um, that sounded oh, – there was just a sp- very specific line and now I'm not going to be able to remember what it was. That sounded a lot like um, So Big, So Small from Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, okay. There was like just, just a line reading or something, and which is I think is super interesting because I don't think Lindsay Menendez was in Dear Evan Hansen at all. No, I don't think so she was. So I am surprised that there was enough – like that, that I was yeah. getting those sort of connections. Throughout. Well, it, I think it, I think it, that kind of tracks <laughs> because Dogfight was the show they were working on before they started working on Darren Hansen. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, there could definitely be some overlap there, um, just by the fact of like it was in their brains and they like brought whatever with them. Totally. Um, I would love but, to just like crack open the mental health files of both Pasek and Paul to understand like why they're so obsessed with people who are awkward socially. <laughs> why are they so obsessed with writing shows where men learn moral lessons by being shitheads to women? <laughs> like, I don't understand that. It's because this man insists on this man who's very clearly named Benjamin insists on being called Benj, which is. I'm sorry, psychotic. Like, you have a mental disorder. That's crazy. Why are you insisting on being called Benj? I, 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 I refuse. Know. I won't. You're Benjamin or you're Ben. Pick one. You don't get to be both. Ugh. All right. Okay. So this is sort of like a flash, like flashback. Yeah, it's like a flashback. It's like because it's there's like bookends of yeah. um Eddie on the bus. Mm-hmm. And as he's on the bus, he's, like, thinking back to the last night that he was in San Francisco. Sort of Wicked, but doesn't do it as well as Wicked, I don't think. Where, like, Wicked is like, let's start from the (laughs) – Wicked's like, let's do this. Let me tell you from the top how this shit went down. Yeah, exactly. Um, And this is more just, like, man staring. So you want to hear how this bitch and I (laughs) fell out? Like, that is is literally (laughs) – oh, my God, Zola is just Wicked. (laughs) So I do think this is more like – uh, man staring out a bus window, reminiscing about you know, hundred percent that his youth, um, about when he could be horrible to women without also being sad that his friends were dead. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember when it was just easy and you didn't have to feel guilty about anything? You, you know, could just be a shithead. <laughs> yeah, the good old days of American history. Exactly. Nineteen sixty-seven. Oh, Eddie Birdlace. Marine, this is important, very important that he, you know he's a Marine because this will come back later, um, is Many coming times. back from Vietnam on a bus heading to San Francisco. And as he's on the bus, he remembers Rose Fenny and like one night, the one night that he spent with this woman. One, one time. Yeah. Right before he shipped out um, four years ago. And so we're like all of a sudden we're we're whirling through time. We're we're spinning through the portal back to 1963. Um now <laughs> okay. I sorry. So some kind of time, sort of our introduction to right. uh-uh. Du Boys, if you will. <laughs> um, we've got Birdlace, uh, Boland, and Bernstein. Who call themselves the three Bs. And they have invented this hilarious game called Dogfight, where they're like, okay, everyone puts money in the pot, and whoever can bring the ugliest date wins all of the money. You know, that thing that you do to women? Yeah. You know, when you're like, (laughs) 
beauty is objective, but I think we can all agree that this particular woman is incredibly unattractive. <laughs> exactly. Um, which, okay, I guess what wasn't made clear to me was that, like, is Rose unattractive or is she just, like, not a woman who curls her hair? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get you. Um, she's she's described in, like, the in the movie synopsis and in the musical synopsis as being plain. Right. Which and is like, like so she just awkward. doesn't put on rouge and she wears right. glasses. In the video that I watched, um, Lindsay, like the wig they gave her does not give her and does not help her at all. It's like very okay. close cut. Mm-hmm. Um, you can like, it kind of makes her face look a little more full. Okay. Um, and she she's j- dressed kind of frumpy. Okay. Interesting. So, but like she, Lindsay is not an unattractive woman. Not at all. Not at all. At all. And she's, she frankly should have won awards for, for this <laughs> for, show. Um, my, I guess my question is like, am I applauding that he learned to love her despite her horrific <laughs> facial features? Or am I applauding him because he learned that like sometimes if you just take off her glasses she was actually beautiful the whole time <laughs> i think it's more of the latter because she's not because again she's not like ugly she's not sure. supposed to because like there's the whole thing where like in the like where eddie's like rose doesn't belong here i'm just why am i doing this to her mm-hmm. and he tries to like back out sure but it's like too late at that point right i mean like well you brought her to the bar my guy now right. here's what i will say I am a firm believer, despite the fact that I've been alive for damn near 30 years on this planet, I am a firm believer that a haircut will change your life. And I've given myself many haircuts and my life has never been changed, but I do believe that one day I will get a haircut that will change my life. And that is, I think, the moral of the story of Dogfight, which is that if you just like put your hair up in a banana clip, you can actually be very hot. And I do think that that's true on a very deep level. (laughs) I actually do ascribe to that worldview. (laughs) Come to Bits Over Broadway for beauty advice. I know that if I I know I know that if I just keep flipping through my American Girl doll book of <laughs> hairstyles, yes. that one day we'll find the one that will make me very hot, very hot, very, very glamorous, cool, and everyone will be like, "You don't, you shouldn't uh-uh. be at a dog fight. You should be a model, even you maybe. should, you should be a movie star. <laughs> what are you? You should. Why you should are you be at the very Met Gala? famous? You should be sort of a Megan Fox type." <laughs> Extremely it's my uh, haircut that's the problem. Why are you not dating Pete Davidson? <laughs> I never will. Um, <laughs> don't understand it and I won't respond to it. Um, okay. Enough about that. So, all right. So they're doing the dog fight. The Marines are like, here's all of our money. Let's search the city for ugly women. Just an in- unhinged, absolutely activity. insane. This is this is why we should never go back to this time period. Right. These people were so fucking bored with their lives <laughs> that they were just like, you know what, we should do? Go make fun of ugly people. I'm sorry. That's- I'm terrible. Just, I don't feel very sorry for you. Like I no. get it. You're shipping out, but also you're being 
very rude extremely <laughs> cruel and cruel mean. yeah like well like, i get it like okay i'm keeping that to myself because mitch will certainly cut it um <laughs> let's see here Birdlace finds himself in a diner where he sees oh, rose oh wait, what did i skip they, there's this like okay so i can't tell i don't know i can't tell <laughs> i can't tell because I, I don't know if this is a thing i never caught it before mm-hmm. but um, well, I mean, like, I knew that it was a joke before, but so in that number where they're like searching through the city, there's like this the one moment where he like sees a woman, he's like, You're everything I thought you were. And mm-hmm. then, like, I'm assuming the woman turns around and it's a man. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Is this <laughs> oh. a trans joke? Is this a transphobic joke? I mean, probably San Francisco in the 60s. I feel like, yes. Like and I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe like a drag queen joke. More Maybe than a, a drag queen. Joke? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Is that like, better? I don't know. Ugh. I don't know because it's like it's a situation where like you hear a man's or a deeper oh, voice. Okay. Okay. Being okay. like and more and oh. like I was just like I caught it this time and I was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. hello, mm-hmm. <laughs> hello, this is John. Hello. Um, I did not catch that. Very yeah. good catch. I. I mean, it would not surprise me. And I wonder... Yeah, I mean, they, they famously put no homo jokes in Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> Truly. I, and I, Benj Pasek is gay. So he he just like, what? You think you get to make fun of the gay, <laughs> the queer community you can all the say time it, now? I, I can say it, but you can't say it. Except yeah, that exactly. you can't write characters that say it. Screw <laughs> um, that. I, I do wonder, because obviously I think there's a little bit of like, that was the culture that's the like you're just reflecting the time period a little bit versus how much of that is are you doing that for laughs like yeah it's 67 so it's like what a year or two before stonewall yeah i think that's right i think stonewall was 68 or 69 yeah so and i mean we know there's like a flourishing queer scene in san francisco so that's not like an out of the realm of possibility thing but are you playing it for laughs or are you playing but that's the kind of the whole question <clears throat> about the whole <clears throat> game i feel like that they're playing oh, yeah. which is like do you remember that super bowl commercial from a couple of years ago and by a couple i probably mean 12 or more <laughs> um i am incredibly old but the one where it's a it's like a peanut or a pistachio commercial. It's a nut commercial of some kind where there I love is a nut commercial. <laughs> there is a woman who has very clearly been she's got like a unibrow and she is okay. made to look n- unattractive. But sure. she is has like rubbed a nut behind her ears as though it's like perfume or something <gasps> and men are like Haunt for her. I because think of I like nut. vaguely recall this. This is like I. It must have been in like early aughts. You know when women were like eating yeah. cheeseburgers naked and like humping and that was like, cars, and everyone yeah, and was, that like, was like the <laughs> epitome of sexiness of hot. Yeah, yeah. And then there was like this weird whiplash where it was like you can be ugly, but it this nut will make everybody nut. <laughs> <laughs> this pistachio, that's yeah. the key to sexiness. And baby. I feel like that is like sort of the thesis of this musical which is that like you can be ugly but if you have a nice personality then maybe men can see past how hideous you are (laughs) to to the actual like beauty that lies beneath 
Right. <laughs> I I think it I think it's what it's trying to say is that like um you should have compassion for others no matter what they look like. Sure. But I don't know if it necessarily uh, succeeds at saying I don't know that. if it hits the mark. <laughs> yeah. I, and I also am conflicted because I'm sure that I'm supposed to be like I'm sure that this is supposed to be eliciting some sort of sympathy for me, like knowing that these men are going to to fight, especially in Vietnam. I feel like that I is a one hundred percent believe very that. specifically they, charged. Yes. Like men doing this and going to World War II would not be that's just like not the narrative that we have about people who fought in World War II. Right. Like it is very upstanding. It's very like respectful and almost genteel, like very like mm-hmm. um above board. Whereas I do feel like there is this interesting like seediness of the late 60s, 70s that Vietnam sort of lends itself to. And it's kind of like, well, they're doing this bad thing, but don't forget that they went and fought in this horrible piece of shit war that we really shouldn't have been doing in the first place. Yeah. And like, don't fall into this trope of like spitting on the soldiers who came home, which by the way, has never been proven as a thing that actually happened. But like, you know what I mean? Like we're the, we're feeding right. into this narrative of like the scorned Vietnam soldier. Absolutely. And so like it's okay that they were really shitty. Like to me, it's almost like a meditation on like who is going into the service and who is being like mm. – like when you – are talking about military and people who choose to do something. I think especially something like the Marines. I feel like uh-huh. that is more of a choice than just like getting drafted to the army. Do you know what yeah, I mean? 100%. Like I don't no, feel like yeah. people who got the draft notice were like I, I feel like Marines are a different set where it's like you have to be yeah, you very like, you, you want like to be a Marine. To be a Marine. Right? Yeah. Right. It's very like it's very that. And so I think it's an interesting dichotomy of like, well, they were to me, and this could just be a personal ch- interpretation they're choosing to go be part of this war effort they're choosing to go overseas they're choosing to be part of this armed force like this very specific branch of the military and they're also being very terrible before they do it and just because you're about to go and like in theory quote-unquote give your life for your country or like serve for your country does Mm -hmm. that give you free reign to be an absolute piece of shit Uh, yeah no i i completely agree with you i definitely think that the because the men are not they're not redeemable at all in the show no like eddie kind of like yeah but barely like Mm -hmm. he's still just like i don't even know and is he only redeemable because he watched all of his friends die and he's like oh shit all of this that's for nothing like because that to me is not you learning a lesson that's to me you just like experiencing the horrors of the horrors human conflict yeah exactly you like Mm-mm. I um I definitely think that they had to make they had to like use something to make the men seem more sympathetic mm-hmm. and that was what was used right. because again like we don't see any kind of redemption arc with the other the other of the two bees um like we don't see anything like that and yeah. even the whole thing with Eddie like yes he does kind of come around at the end with Rose but like it's still never like him learning 
a lesson, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like he kind of does because he like he goes back to her and is like, hey, I did this horrible thing and I feel really bad about that. Right. And I shouldn't have done that. So like he does learn a lesson, but like, I don't know. It just it seems like he's a very uh, like irredeemable character and they needed something to make Mm -hmm. him more sympathetic. Here's my question. There is sort of a line at the end. I know we're skipping around a lot. It's a solo app. We don't follow the timeline. It's all good. <laughs> we do what we want. There's no guest here to be nice to. What, what? <laughs> um, for me, there's a line at the end where he's like, there's some reference made to you never wrote me. I gave you like I gave you my address and I never got a letter from you and I never oh, heard yeah. from you. So I kind of moved on. And I was like, I-, I don't know what that that line is supposed to mean or is supposed to say. I don't understand what that line means in terms of their relationship. It's obviously important, but I'm like, okay, so you feel bad now that you've come home. And I also do feel like it's a little bit playing into that narrative of you come home and you're derided. And like, also there's like this weird subplot of Rose kind of being a pacifist and kind of being like anti- like war um and so i think it's really interesting that they make mention of like oh well you never wrote me like so when did you feel like you needed to apologize for the things that you did like right. y- do you feel that now because you didn't get your hometown hero ticker tape parade when you right. came back and you found this woman and now you're like oh i'm really sorry i feel bad and now i know what it feels like to be an outcast like is this the episode right. of 30 rock where jack donaghy gets bed bugs gets like bed what bugs. like what are we doing here like do you only feel empathy for this woman because you are also because, being yeah. shunned well i mean for some people that's yeah, what it takes that's for true, them to experience the thing for the first hand that's true uh, yeah talking about you megan mccain anyway <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know she's listening. <laughs> she is one of our 10 listeners. <laughs> exactly. Like making subs to this podcast. I would lose my mind. <laughs> we're the um, leftist she's speaking of. Yeah, exactly. Um, Always. She's like, we're ruining America. And it's just the two of us being idiots. And you're fucking Talking room. about podcasts. <laughs> um, but no, I, I completely, I totally see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a really interesting line because, like, it's – I don't know. In, at least in the music, uh, maybe it's, like, spoken more in the show. But at least in the music, there's never, like, an indication that they really plan on continuing their relationship. Yeah. It feels like they both resolve in a way that's, like – Right. Okay, well, this was a fucked up thing you did to me, and I'm really hurt, and – you're going to war and I'm not sure that I even support that. I'm not sure that that's even a thing that I'm interested in. And right. okay, well, write me if you've got the time. Goodbye, CN for you. I just like I'm trying to understand what it was about that first interaction that four years later, this motherfucker is like, this is a yeah. thing that's so heavy on my soul that I need to f- seek this person out again. I yeah, didn't like want to talk to her for four years. Yeah. Right. I, I couldn't have been bothered to write her a letter, even though at any moment I could have been just like dead in a ditch, like all the people I served with. But right. I, I guess I'm just not. And you know what? I will say 
this is a two act musical and it the is. OBC is only 45 minutes. So it's very correct. clear we're missing quite a bit of right. shit that happens on stage. So maybe this is all resolved. <laughs> maybe famously musical theater is a musical visual medium. Is a visual medium. <laughs> so maybe this all and does get resolved. if we had resolved. picked the episode yesterday, we probably could have found a script. <laughs> But I have always said I will never do research for this podcast and you absolutely cannot make me. Um, I I just – I always have a, like a lot of feelings, especially in regards to Vietnam War. Please see our Violet yeah, Ebb for, for, for more on that. Or our um, hair Or ebb. our hair Ebb. Um, but I just feel like I don't understand – there are so many opportunities for this man to make a better choice than the choice that he right. makes. And like he – they talk and he brings her to the club where they're going to judge the dog fight. And he right. tries to keep her from dancing so that she doesn't mm-hmm. get judged as part of the dog fight. But like just leave. Like leave the venue then. Like go right. somewhere else on a date. Go to a different bar. Go to a different dance club. Like right. why like, you are don't you still have there? to make – you don't have to do this. Yeah, you no want to is... do the right thing, so leave. Like, go right, away. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And this is know. and this is the thing that it's it's similar to like the whole Dear Evan Hansen thing is that like they have every opportunity to make a better decision, and the characters just don't. <laughs> they just continue and to make a bad. They just choice. continue to make up, make fucked up decisions, and then the uh, wildly. The victim is always like, thank you for making this horrible choice. Yeah, thank you for me teaching grow. me something about myself by, like, mocking me and bullying me and calling me ugly. I just don't. That's not how life works. Yeah. And it doesn't even feel justified in, like, a sitcom sense, if that makes sense. Right. Like, I feel like a lot of times there's a lot of discoursing about, like, Oh, so many problems in Seinfeld could have been solved with a cell phone or even in right. most sitcoms where it's like misunderstandings and and talking around something instead of just confronting it directly. But this yeah. does feel like very Pesic and Paul in the sense that there are obvious off ramps to this insane like freeway that they're on and the just yes. characters just speed past them at 100 miles an hour they're like exactly well i simply couldn't do anything but be sitting in this bar like if you were enjoying your your interaction and you were building a rapport with this woman and and coming to see her as more than just like a ugly ass bitch you could win money (laughs) off of then like don't engage in that right and i don't know if it's a simplified do or die thing but like is that what they're trying I'm never understanding what Pasek and Paul are ever trying to say. And I'm not convinced they're ever actually trying to say anything. Like I think I think it's just because I mean, like, to be fair, they are not writing the book. They're just doing music and lyrics. True, but still, like they are working on these projects. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just I I I always feel like the message of their shows is really muddled it's very surface level Mm -hmm. it's it it doesn't come across as clear as they think it might yeah here's what i will say uh positive i Mm -hmm. really enjoyed the songs in this show i liked the music and i did feel like um not a hundred percent moving the plot along but i did feel like these songs gave more uh 
plot information than like Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, 100%. And I actually, there's a, there's a really interesting thing that happens with the music in the show that mm-hmm. I realized. Yeah. And that the first act, all of the music is geared toward moving the plot forward. Yeah. And then the second act, all of the music is very introspective. It's very mm-hmm. character focused. 100%. And I really like that choice. Me because too. It, it, I think it's a really interesting um, structure to like say, okay, we're going to move everything forward. And then the second act, this is how the characters feel about it. Right. And Which, I think I like, I think that's a good, smart, artistic choice. 100%, especially because the show is really just guy takes a woman to be right. humiliated, gets shipped off to war, feels bad about it, comes home. Yeah, like exactly. you do need the second half to be a little bit more introspective and about the mm-hmm. characters reflecting on the things that happened in act one. Um I agree with you 100%. I think that was a really interesting and good choice. Yeah. Um, I actually would have liked more songs. I think for a two-act yeah. show, 45 minutes is pretty short. It's pretty, um, it is pretty short. I would have liked a few more. Yeah, and I like. I think this is some of Pasek and Paul's best work. I like this. Uh, uh, I like this like music mm-hmm. more than I like Dear Evan Hansen. Me too. And yeah. and. I don't remember if we were on mic or off, but I did feel like a lot of this was uh, sort of a precursor. I feel like you can hear some of of what was going to become Dear Evan Hansen. Um, And listen, every composer, I think you could probably say the same about Sondheim. I think there's probably... You you get motifs pop up in every show that they work on. I know that's true of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like, I do think the songs are... I think the shows are distinct, but, like, you can tell the things that he likes to turn to and the things that he employs for, like, gravitas and, like, drama and that kind of thing. And uh, no judgment at all because that's just what it is. That's your style. Uh, Same could be said about Lin-Manuel Miranda, I think. Um, you can you know Lin Manuel Miranda when you hear it, and I think same oh, yeah, with yeah, Sondheim. Yeah. You know, you you. I mean, know. there's like there's like a there's like a, a one specific riff that's in in the Heights that is also in Hamilton. Yeah, like it's it, it, every composer does it, and I think that absolutely. Um, I like I think that's totally fine because that again, like you said, it's their signature style. It's like totally how you can tell a show is theirs. Like jokingly, but but friend of the show Catherine Jankowski and I, um, we we saw we. We see movies together a lot, and we saw one, and I was like, the soundtrack sounds so familiar. It sounds a lot like Alexandre Duplat. Like, mm-hmm. uh, that is just a composer that I really like, like, a, a that I know. And we joke about, like, oh, well, he's no Duplat. Like, <laughs> but but there is – you can hear that. Like, if you like yeah. a certain composer, a certain artist, or a certain, you know, musical artist, like, they have a style and a sound. So no Absolutely. shade at all to – to Pesic and Paul in that regard. No, um, absolutely not. But I, I actually did like this better than Dear Evan Hansen in a way. Like to some some of the songs I liked better. I loved Pretty Funny. I thought it was Pretty Funny it is might be so, my favorite. Um the amount of times <laughs> that I sat in my fucking bedroom <laughs> in college okay. listening to Pretty Funny okay. and crying. <laughs> unprecedented it is just a rule of music that if you are going to list out a like bedtime routine that song's gonna make you cry and that's just a fact about songs like jewel did it bonnie Raitt did Uh it 
It's just it's similar it to the rule is. about how a letter song is always going to make you exactly. cry. Exactly. If you're like 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 it's it's losing my mind from fall. If you're like listing off the oh things God, that you're yes. doing in a routine, that song is for is for to cry to. Yeah. Oh, extremely that. Extremely that song's that. for weeping. And that was. I think that's like. Because uh, Lindsay, one of the awards that the the drama desk, she was nominated for like best like actress. Yeah, and she should have fucking won. Yeah, she she's giving you performance in the show, and it's she really is. really amazing. I'm t- you can never like come for Lindsay Mendez ever. No. Um, I pretty funny. like pretty funny wrecked me. Truly, I yeah. thought it was so 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 good. Um, I, I do think it's important to note that one of the boys brings a sex worker to the mm-hmm. Annalie Ashford <laughs> it is Annalie Ashford incredible it is. um and she and she wins and she's like listen man take what you can get if you're ugly uh-huh. lean in <laughs> she's the Sheryl Sandberg of the 60s um she is. And people don't know that but Macy is the Sheryl Sandberg of 1963 <laughs> she's like like literally because she's she's the one who tells Rose about the dog fight yeah and um she's like Hey, I'm getting fucked, so I might as well get paid. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna get mine. And I'm, <laughs> Listen, I I'll show that. up, but you better pay me for my time. And exactly. I will show up, all about? but I will not commit unless <laughs> I see the dollar. I will not do anything for exposure. Thank you so much. Um, <coughs> absolutely obsessed with Rose getting so furious learning about the dog fight and mm-hmm. looking at this man slapping him across the face and saying i hope there's a war and i hope you get killed <laughs> like absolutely brutal yeah but i mean like she's fully like within her rights to say that at that point i mean she's she's big mad and i can't say i blame her um yeah, it's a pretty exactly. fucked up thing uh okay Let's take a quick break because we're talking about Pretty Funny and that is the act break. Uh, We will be back to discuss act two. We're back. We're back. Beautiful break. Mm -hmm. I made Mitch turn the mics on so that I can pontificate about Pasek and Paul's mental illness. <laughs> well, so we I before we turn the mics on, I I I brought up the fact that obviously because we have not seen the stage show mm-hmm. um and this show is beloved by mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um and I do also I really like I said I really do like the show. Yeah. Um at least the music. Love the uh, music. Love the music and I'm sure that if I saw it on stage, I was able to watch like a little bit of um, like the performance in first date last night, and it was get, it was great. It was I loved it. Um, obviously that's after all the bad shit happens. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I brought up the fact that um, Pasek and Paul are doing the same thing with Eddie Birdlace that they do with Dear Evan Hansen, and that he's the antagonist of his own story. Yeah, and I I just wonder what they're excising in like through their work because it to me it feels like there's a lot of similarities between Eddie Birdlace and Evan Hansen um mm-hmm. especially like you said the the antagonists of their own stories but like not in a way that like I feel the same about I don't feel that with like Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber and I think you can make the argument that Sondheim is writing a lot of musicals about really complex and oh, kind yeah, of absolutely. fucked up 
people, but it doesn't yeah, feel people like who are who are self destructive or something yeah. like that. But it's not like they are actively. But I don't ever feel like Sondheim is trying to right. redeem them, and I do feel that Pasek and Paul are always saying like, "Here's the most mm-hmm. fucked up person who, at every opportunity, makes the wrong choice, and at the end, you should still feel sorry for them and be on their side." Right. And I just don't ever feel like they do the work to get me on that on the character right. side. Like there is a way that we could go about doing that. Mm-hmm. Like you could, they, you, they could absolutely get the audience on Eddie Birdlace's side. 100%. And like I said, there's probably something that we're missing. Mm-hmm. that we don't get from the music um yeah. that does that yeah but I, I you you know it's just hard to sit here and sit and like root for him right especially because music alone and even synopsis from the wikipedia because i don't feel like wikipedia is particularly illuminating as to what goes on between the songs no like it and feels... even even the synopsis for the movie is yeah. very similar to the synopsis for the musical yeah it feels like i'm just supposed to feel bad for him because he's a vietnam vet and right. i'm sorry but like that's not enough of a reason for me to forgive this like just absolutely piggish behavior right um because because it's not even like I think what really fucks me up is that this is not like they're on leave from a deployment. Mm -hmm. They haven't even deployed yet. Like in theory, they're just a bunch of fucking kids who are being horrible and awful for no other reason. And because they also saw something horrible and awful, I'm just supposed to forgive all the like trauma and cruelty that they inflicted on people prior to their departure. And to me, it's just – personally it's not enough of a reason to forgive them because i don't think he actually learned to be sorry i I guess i just don't believe that he's actually sorry for what he did to rose yeah i get that and i would love to see the show because i would love to be proven wrong and i would love for there to be something in the book that isn't in the music that i'm like you could always watch the movie i won't connor please i won't do any more research for this podcast um no i know i could have and and it is and it i understand that it is a personal failing of my own that war stories just don't really oh i'm the same way though i i'm they don't for me i'm not fully interested in that yeah it's really i'm just like not glory the war glorification just does not do it for me i i don't get swept up in the like patriotism of it i'm not like the nationalism of it just sort of brushes over me. So it's just a little bit hard for me to get into that. And I think that was probably a huge barrier to overcome with this particular musical. Um, Okay. So act two is sort of like after the big fight of act one, it's still the same night, Mm -hmm. but sort of like cut to an hour later. Where Rose has changed clothes and Eddie finds her and is like, I'm really sorry for all that shit I did back there. Let's get a burger and go to the Golden Gate Bridge. And she's like, you're not so tough after all. Like, I just don't. Again, I guess I would have to see it. I'm just like, I don't understand why she decides to give this guy another chance. I think it's a situation where she has never like had that kind of male attention before. Yeah. Because there's the scene the when they're in the diner and Rose is like, I can't go with you. I have to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and her mom who owns the diner is like, Rose, 
we're closing. Yeah. Go and have a good night. And I feel like that's kind of like cluing you into the fact that Rose doesn't yeah. have that kind of attention in her life. Yeah. So I feel like that might be why she says yes to the, the real date, essentially. Right. right. And I guess I just am so tired of like <laughs> <laughs> women – finding their own grace through cruelty that is done to them and finding the grace to like pardon the people who were cruel to them. Yeah. It's just not an interesting narrative for me. I like well, it's been done so many times. Yeah, and I just don't find it compelling. Like I I, I don't want her to forgive this person. Like I don't mm. want her to grow from this experience like i'm tired of this like well from cruelty you can sprout anew and become like your fuller better self like you don't have to go through trials and tribulations to become a good person and and i don't feel like rose is a deserves that i feel like she is a like she already is a good person yeah i feel like she's got some really interesting stuff that i want to see and and i don't feel like and again huge caveat we have not seen the stage today i want to hear more about her pacifism and i want to hear that more fleshed out and i want to like get that sort of um push and pull between someone who is sort of like coming into the world and going like i'm not sure that i support this 100 percent. i'm not sure that like my relationship with the imperialist project of america is Mm -hmm. is copacetic with my worldview and like to have this person who is like, this is going to – that is what I'm committing my life to at least for four years. And right. I, I want that push-pull a little bit. I want it to be less of the romance and more of the – let's get political. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Musicals should be more political. Musicals should be more political. Yeah, I want so – what you're saying is we should just talk about hair again. <laughs> <laughs> I want every musical to be 1777. Um, no, not 1777. <laughs> Is that what it is? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the one where everybody talks about how John Adams is sucks ass. <laughs> sucks dick. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So, sorry. Enough pontificating for me on the <laughs> No, I, but I, the totally, I totally get what you're saying because I, I even wrote down, I want a musical that's just about Rose. Because yeah. Because Eddie is kind of the main character. Like, we're yeah, yeah. everything is happening from his perspective. And I don't care I about want, him. <laughs> and I don't care about him. He's a Jimmy on the side for me. He okay, is. We said yeah. It. Yeah, he is. Um, I want I, I want to know Rose. where Rose. Yeah, I, I want, do. I want to see her, like, trajectory to becoming, like, a folk rock star, <laughs> yeah, essentially. I need Rose to be Joan Baez. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly that. That's what I want to see. Like, in my version of Dogfight, it's all about Rose. Yeah. Eddie Birdlace is just a side character who treats her like shit, and she tells him to go fuck himself. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, she's just Jenny from Forrest Gump strumming a guitar nude. Do you exactly. know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's what I want. Um. Okay. So... They sleep together. Yes. They it's do. like their first. Yeah. And it is implied that it is both of their first times. I think. Um, maybe. Or maybe just the first time with each other. I don't know. I can't I can't tell from the Wikipedia. They share an yeah. awkward and romantic first sexual experience. So I don't know. I assume for Rose for sure, but I can't right. tell about Eddie. Then he goes to Vietnam. <laughs> he sh- he <laughs> ships out. Um, and all of his friends die. And 
he's thinking about that as he comes back to San Francisco, 1967. Right. Um, and sort of is making his way through a world that he doesn't recognize and finds Rose again. And like, she is like, well, welcome home soldier. <laughs> She's older and wiser now. <laughs> Still working at a diner and truly nothing has changed for her. Right. Uh, she's just there to redeem him for some reason that is inexplicable to me. That said, I love the music. <laughs> the music is great. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm reading the like finale, the like last bit. Yeah. Um, about in for the movie, and it's very similar. Where it it, it says, um, he like Eddie makes his way across the street. And into the coffee shop, Rose, not having heard from him in three years, is surprised to see him and can only say hi. She walks over. They embrace. The film ends. Mm. I guess what I'm trying to say is that. Oh, in the movie. Okay, hold on. We should have fucking read this before. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> so, hold on. I'm like no, skimming. Good. But apparently Birdlace tears up Rose's address and throws it out the window of the bus. That's why she never hears from him. Uh, that's fucking crazy. Like, right. why does he do that? Um, she offers to, she offers to write to him, asks if he'll write back. Birdlace walks Rose home. They share an awkward moment on the doorstep. She invites him in. They uh, have a sex. As he's leaving, gives her her address. Birdlace meets up with his buddies. Birdlace makes up a story that he did not show up because he spent the night with the beautiful wife of an officer. She later shares that saw him with Rose. Birdlace counters that he was aware that Burson State Marcy was actually a prostitute. They agree to keep one another's secrets. Uh, okay, sorry, Mitch cut all that out. <laughs> Is that, that movie? Was, that's movie, right? That's movie. Okay. Okay. But like that kind of like so I I think what they're trying to imply is that with the movie, but we don't get it so much in the musical synopsis, mm -hmm. is that when Eddie goes back to the Marines, he kind of reverts back to his old self. Yeah. Where he's just treating women like objects and mm -hmm. he's not respecting them as people. So so he He's one of, of the boys. Right, he's one of the boys again. So he gets rid of Rose's number, and that's why he she never hears from him again. Right. Until he comes back. I At think, least in the movie. Yeah, and I think you're right, and I think that's probably very similar. It seems as though the musical is following the movie fairly closely. So right. I would hazard a guess that that is probably a similar Mm -hmm. I think that is the story of Eddie Birdlace, which is that, like, who are you really? Are you the person you are right. with your friends and how much do your friends inform your personality? And, like, can you be changed and can you be a better person for the person that you love? But they really right. love each other. They just, like, had a night together. And and I think ultimately I I'm just not comfortable with what I perceive the narrative to be, which is that you can do – atrocious things but if you are loved by another person then you are redeemable right and that's not to say that people aren't redeemable but i do think that like there are deeply evil people who have been loved by a woman or a man in the world and that doesn't Absolutely. make them a good person like right 100 percent. i'm saying like I i'm just not interested in this like this narrative the story of like he was a bad person four years ago he 
was nice for like two hours and treated right. this woman kindly because he was alone, because he wasn't in front of people he knew, because right. there was nothing outside force. Like he didn't do it because he's a strong, courageous person. He did it because he's a fucking coward who right. didn't have to perform for his friends. And because she's a good person, that does not like absolve him of those sins. And mm-hmm. I am not interested in a story where she embraces him because he treated her like dirt. Like, is this what? Is this musical just about how awful toxic masculinity is? <laughs> <laughs> As you're like talking about all this, I'm like thinking like, okay, so he's only a shit bag when he's around his other yeah. friends who are men. So he has to put on this like shit bag this persona. Facade, yeah. But and is it a th- persona? This movie is like, just all about, or this musical is all about toxic masculinity. That's it. <laughs> now it makes sense. That's it. And as Connor and, and I discussed. what is more toxically masculine than war? <laughs> exactly. Connor and I discussed via text that musicals are only about two things, one of two things. And it's either the uh, a meditation on the horrors of war or, or objectification of women. And that's it. Exactly. And those are the only two plots. <laughs> and that is how we will continue to view all musicals. <laughs> Um, and that's the lens with which we will view them. Um, yes, those are the critical lenses. Thank you. We are the new Susan Sontag. <laughs> we are the new Ben Brantley's, okay? <laughs> um, okay. So I feel like we've sort of walked through. Are there any songs that really, like, stuck out to you that you loved besides Pretty Funny? Like, anything that you were really digging, vibing? Um, I have, I, like I said, I've listened to this soundtrack a lot and I really do like the music. Um, I can't state that enough, no matter how much we tear apart yeah. the plot, the music yeah. is really good. Loved it. Um, I really like the second half of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty, like pretty funny is great. Uh, first date last night yeah. is, I love that one. Cause I think it captures like the awkwardness of a first date mm-hmm. so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and before it's over is really, really good yeah. um, as well. Cause again, it's Lindsay. She's giving you everything you want. She's a queen. Um, she's a queen. And, um, I, I also really like give way as well. It's, uh, that one is like a very, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like it's like kind of a lull in the, in the show, but it's, I think it's also very sensual because it's the, their first sexual encounter. Yeah. Um, and I I just really, really like it. I I will say I do have a tiny quibble um mm-hmm. with what is the song where they're talking about the things they're gonna miss when they leave? Um, um Goodbye to Apple Pie. Some kind of time. Some kind of time. Yeah. Uh, that song to me feels very nostalgic for the 50s. Does that make sense? Goodbye to apple pie, to Chevrolet, to chili fries. To right. It all feels very like at the drive-in poodle mm-hmm. skirt. And I'm like, what? I-, I don't know what they could have listed that would have felt 70s to me, but it feels out of time, if that yeah. makes sense. Like that, that specific song. I like the song in terms of just like how it sounds. I like singing along to it. But to me, I was like, I don't think that that's that feels very wholesome for the choices that these young men are making. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I, I mean, technically, it is the '60s, but okay. like still, that's it's fair. '63, so that's it's fair. like you're still. That's true. It is sort of. 50s. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're 100 um, right. So, but like, no, I totally get what you mean in that. Like, it is kind of 
uh, evoking that like, oh, the 50s were the good old days when men were men and like, mm. uh, you know, America was like the best we've ever been. And it's like, was it really or mm-hmm. did we just um, – Is that all fake? And and I, right. and I think there's a something to be said for that the – boomer era nostal were were nostalgic for their childhood much faster like that is sort oh, yeah. of why the 50s have become this hallmark of like mm-hmm. when america was good because it is very specific is a very specific generation's childhood yeah when things did seem very good like adults well, you know in that's the 50s when that's when than- uh we had a 90% marginal top tax rate. And like, I would argue that that was probably the best thing America's ever done. But I think, I think it is very like you, you do reflect on your own childhood as sort of a idyllic time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and I think there is something to be said for that reflection happening a little bit earlier with that generation. And it wouldn't surprise me because like, yes, people who are 18 in 63 would see the fifties as their childhood and would be reflecting on like, I'm, I'm saying goodbye to my childhood and I'm becoming a man because I'm 18 and I'm going to war. And, and in that lens, yes, that is making a lot more sense to me. Thank you for pointing out that years do happen concurrently. (laughs) I sometimes forget. Um, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, that was the seventies. And oftentimes Mitch is like, it's 79. That's basically the eighties. That's basically the 80s. That's fair. That's true. That's, I mean, yes, you're right. Like time is a, time is a mystery to us all. Um, (laughs) I don't know. There's just something like, I, I am just, really struggling to find a point of connection with bird lace uh mm-hmm. and and the, i'm i'm struggling to find a point of connection with the three b's just yeah, a lot i feel you just and because especially because like a lot of their songs um aren't necessarily the introspection songs like uh-uh. they have a lot of the action songs and then all the introspection comes from rose yeah yeah and it's like i, I would love to get some like more context or thought from Eddie Mm -hmm. in the second half. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, I think it was a really smart choice to have that introspection part in the Mm -hmm. second act. But again, it's mostly Rose. Like we don't get a ton from bird lace, which I think is, yeah, I think we could, we could use more. Yeah. I think I would be more on board with the journey, more on board with the, arc of his character if right. I could get a little more introspection on I, I do I just tend to feel a lot of times in war stories folks like people who are writing those stories let war stand in for a lot of growing that characters have to do in 100%. a way that I don't think is I, in a way that I feel is lazy like yeah no t- I totally agree with you tell me what I, I'm not saying we need to be like I watched my buddy get his guts blown out or whatever the that's, fuck. A, that's like, an amazing war movie impression <laughs> thank you thank you just imagine credence clearwater revival is playing underneath yes. as i'm saying that and i'm wearing just like aviator sunglasses 100 percent. um but I, I i feel like it's a crutch a little bit of like yep. well he did war and it, you see a lot of bad shit when you go to war like yeah 100 percent. not arguing with that Tell me what specifically is like, I want the moments of like the growth there. I want like, I want to see, I feel like it's very lazy to just be like, well, 
you know, he was in the war for four years. So obviously that changed him as right, a person. And now like, he's a mature person. Yeah. And- okay, cool. We didn't get to see any of that. We're just assuming because right. of war. I, that feels lazy to me. Again, haven't seen the show. Could be right. discussed in the book and not the songs. And that's on me. That's on me. <laughs> but anyway, um, any other thoughts? Any thinking really. ramblings musings on dog no. fight <laughs> i mean like we basically we we basically uh covered it all what uh, I, I guess one fun question is i i am once again blindsiding you with a <laughs> question damn it connor <laughs> based on a song in the show um if you were about to be shipped out what would you miss most <laughs> chili fries connor um oh, no i knew it <laughs> Uh, that is a good cue. Um, probably a comfortable bed. <laughs> I also wrote down a bed. <laughs> like, I truly think about sleeping on a cot. I'm like, absolutely not. No way. Nope. I would, I would jump in a river first. I'm incredibly um, fussy and I just like, I don't even love hotel beds. Like, I can't imagine <laughs> being like on a cot and being like, well, this is good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, I said either my bed or um, my weekly uh, bagel with cream cheese uh, <laughs> on Sunday mornings. Ben Shapiro was going to like clip this for his podcast for sure and 100%. be like the fucking soy left or some shit like that. Do people right. still talk like that? I don't know. Uh, um, probably. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, 100%. I, I, <laughs> that's, yeah. I would miss my bed for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the food. I mean, they're not wrong. Like, yes, I wouldn't miss chili fries specifically, but no. probably like Bloody Mary's in a fried chicken sandwich. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> a good cheeseburger. Like, <laughs> I would miss that. Oh, now I want a fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. I also don't have any more thoughts. So let's just, let's go right into it. Connor, yep. man and share this for us. Yeah, I like uh, uh for, um, <laughs> <laughs> Connor manager this was. <laughs> I do really like the music of this musical. Yeah. I would love to see it staged. Yes. Um cuz like we have said I know we're missing things. I know we are. Yeah. Um and so I'm not like completely writing it off. Okay. Um and, and and again, like this is some of my favorite music that Pasek and Paul has put out. 100%. So, um, I I can really get behind the music, and Lindsay Mendez is everything. And yeah, um, I I am happy to like continue to give Dogfight another chance. Mm-hmm. Essentially, mm-hmm. Meryl Man and Chair. Yeah, same. Love Lindy Lindsay Mendez. Um, love Pretty Funny. I really did enjoy the music of this, uh, and it's short and sweet. You know, yeah, two act musical, but a forty five minute OBC makes for easy listening. And there's a easy. reprise in there. Like, mm-hmm. there's also it's also not totally original, um, or not totally new songs. Right. Um, a hundred percent agree. This is probably my favorite. Pacing and Paul, um compositions like in like as a work altogether. I think right. this is my favorite. Um and I would love to see the show because I would love to be proven wrong. I would love for someone to tweet at me and be like, you fucking idiot. What right. you missed is the three scenes that aren't on Wikipedia that like 
answers all the questions that you have and does exactly the work that you're asking for. And like, I good, like I want that from the show. I'm pretty sure that by the time this comes out or by the time this episode is finishing, Natalie Alt will probably have tweeted at you at least four times. (laughs) She'll have called me on the phone. Just like, you stupid bitch. Um, (laughs) Here's the deal. And that's fine because like, I've never claimed to be an expert or good at this. It's just my interpretation of listening to the soundtrack and reading Wikipedia. Um, And I understand that that is lacking. But for me, I really enjoyed the music, which was nice. Um, A refreshing change for me, I feel. Uh, And after Dear Evan Hansen. (laughs) And the story was just like fine. Um, And I wanted more from it. So I would love to see it if it ever comes back, if it gets launched, if there's a national tour, if a high school near me puts it on. Um, I would love to go see it because I I do want to know what is going on in between these very few these very few songs um so liked it would recommend listening to the obc mm-hmm. not sure how i feel about the story tbd till i see tbd it. on IRL. the story <laughs> even though we just spent the past like yeah, hour and 45 minutes it. <laughs> ripping it to shreds <laughs> please don't come for me um this podcast do this podcast does not reflect the opinions of our <laughs> Of us. <laughs> as everyone Listen, knows. if we didn't get canceled for six, I don't think we're going to get canceled for that. As everyone fight. knows, my opinions change truly day to day. So <laughs> talk to me tomorrow and ask me how I feel about dogfight. It's probably 180 degrees difference. Yeah. Um, Connor, do you have anything to plug? No. As usual, you can find me across all platforms at CRLA12 on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. You can find any of my funny projects there. Meryl, how about you? Nothing for me, but you can follow this podcast across all platforms at BitsOverBWay. You can email us, BitsOverBWay at gmail.com or find us on Patreon patreon.com slash bits over bway we don't have any extra content there but if you are for some reason listening to podcasts through patreon you can listen to ours through there um you can find us anywhere you get podcasts unless we're not there in which case please do email us and let us know and we will get there uh that is all i have (gasps) Bye. bye I will not bear it again. I will not bear these blonde men of Hollywood ruining my life.